Okay, I've got my notes. Mm-hmm. And Me too. I have the Fast and Furious Wikipedia page pulled up. What? That's a special tool that I'll be using for later. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to sync up? Yeah, let's sync. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Huh? <laughs> Did someone mention the door to darkness? Who are you? Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me And welcome to Loser Like Me. This is a Glee recap and review show. My name is Christina, and I am obliged to inform you that this conversation is being recorded. And I'm Tanner, and when I open my mouth, a little pink purse falls out. <laughs> I wondered what you were going to use for your opening line on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so for today's episode, uh, which is The Substitute... Uh, it is season two, episode seven? Are we it on is seven? episode seven. Okay. No, I don't need to... Google Sheets, I don't need to know that I can present to a meeting now. <laughs> <laughs> it may interest the board to know that this episode was directed by Ryan Murphy, written by Ian Brennan, <laughs> and first released on November 16th of 2010. I feel like it was ghost wrote by Ryan Murphy, though, is the thing. He definitely had a hand in it. Yes. He, I mean, obviously he directed it because he and Gwyneth Paltrow are like good friends. They're like good, good friends. Yes. And also, wait, is is she married to Ian or Brad? She's married to Ian. Although at the time that the episode came out, she was married to Chris Martin of Coldplay. Who yeah, had initially like... said, oh, I didn't really want any of our songs to be on Glee. Wait, he's British, right? Fuck if I know. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Martin of Coldplay, and I don't really want any of our episodes to be on Glee. And then uh, Gwyneth Paltrow levitated into their room, carried aloft by the energies of her vagina crystal, and said, Chris, God. I require you to let Glee use some of your songs, because I have now become part of the lore. And he said, okay. And What, then? And then five years later, she's like, okay, bye! And got married to Ian. I guess. They had a conscious uncoupling. Fun fact, I don't even know what Gwyneth Paltrow was known for before Glee. <sighs> Me either, but in my defense, that's because I had, I was telling someone else, I have, I had a very limited cultural knowledge of things that were not related to Disney before, say, 2009. Or 2007, if we're being very generous. <laughs> I need to check what Gwyneth Paltrow was actually doing before Glee. Go for it, Tanner. Um, oh, it was Seven, Emma, and Sliding Doors. Those were her big hits. And the Royal Tannenbaums. I was gonna say, I know that she was in Emma. And Seven is that one that's about, like, 
Henry VIII's wives or whatever, right? No, you're thinking of six. Seven is the one where a serial killer is killing people based on the seven deadly sins. And Gwyneth Paltrow is Brad Pitt's wife. Okay. What a fucked up movie. I mean, it's supposed to be. Yeah, but still. Let's go ahead and start talking about this episode of Glee. <laughs> okay, so, so so previously on Glee. Previously on Glee. Terry bad. Blaine good. Karofsky bad. Yes. I, my note here was literally, Kurt visited gay Narnia with, Gla- with Blaine and the Warblers, and Karofsky is deeply, destructively closeted. Yes. And... This episode starts off with a musical cameo from a source that's very near and dear to both of our hearts. The I Will Fight You music plays at the beginning. Yup. <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know what that instrumental track is called, but it's the theme song for our friend's podcast, I Will Fight You, hashtag non-spawn, but also hashtag friend spawn. Yes. <laughs> It is a song that we talked about um, in Not a Fire But You First when me and Lindsay and Ryan were re- uh, doing another Fantasia, but yes. I can't remember what it was called. That makes two of us. Anyway, it's a, it's something that brought me joy in this episode of Glee. <laughs> it's, that's where the, the roller coaster started up there. Yes, started it's, high. It's going to go it's, down real quick. <laughs> well, it's a roller coaster. It's going to vacillate a lot. Yeah. Anyway, we get to we walk into this episode of Glee with Will getting to school and then seeing a squad of Cheerios serving as a moving crew with like trophies and megaphones and shit. Because it turns out that in a surprisingly relevant plot line for the year of our Lord 2021, uh, Principal Figgins got sick with air quotes monkey flu. It's probably from that Unitarian monkey wedding. Yeah, yeah, but, but he got sick and. Uh, with the flu, after being in a disgusting scene, directly sneezed on by Lauren Zarsis, who did not deserve that. She was weaponized by Sue. Yes, and now Sue is acting principal. Yep, because of a vague clause in her contract. Yes, and she says, my first acting order is, destroy the Glee Club. (laughs) Except she, she doesn't really. She's just like, I'm gonna, but she never acts on it. Yeah, she she says, look, there's other trash fires that I would like to either uh, add Tinder to or put out completely. And that's not the battle that she picks in this episode. And then we'll get sneezed on too. Yay. Yeah, this one was not it. weaponized, shockingly. This was just Lauren having fun. Yeah. Well, just more so like they literally ran into each other in the hallway. Hashtag just girly things infecting Will Schuster with the flu. We love to see it. <laughs> Apparently, this is an extremely fast-acting illness because we then cut to presumably the same school day where Will is trying to teach Glee Club while he's sick. He's infected with Dutch Angle disease. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Because he he says, okay, kids, time to pick set list for sectionals. Then he turns around and it's like a Dutch Angle. And then Glee Club babies! Glee Club babies! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he's hallucinating and now they're all adorable children and child actors <laughs> who are trying their best because they they're like four yes they are truly truly trying their best they they say some very fun things like baby rachel is saying that like they should sing a song of like do a tribute to bernadette, bernadette peters. peters yeah 
Um, and then Baby Quinn insults her. Baby Santana is like, someone's been eating their Wheaties Puckerman looking good. And then Baby Puckerman, these guns are fully loaded. And then he flexes. Uh-huh. And then and and then Baby Mike Chang in the background, I just want to dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're... These child actors are very cute. And in fun fact is they did do a behind the glee for this episode. And it's literally just look at how cute these kids are. Oh, my gosh. Yep. <laughs> and they they interviewed the one who was playing Rachel. And she, they asked like, oh, what do you know about Rachel Berry? And she said, I know she's very smart and very loud. <laughs> and they were and saying, I want to be just like her when I grow up. <laughs> No, don't do that, child. <laughs> um, but they also had some cute pictures up. I think they were on the wiki, but they're probably somewhere on the internet of like all of the actors hanging out with little kid versions of themselves. And it's very cute. It would have been funny if they got just like a 12 year old to play Baby Finn to indicate the height difference. <laughs> <laughs> that also would have been cute. I think that Baby Rachel was taller than Baby Finn. <laughs> which is especially adorable. But yeah. Will Will goes home because he's sick and he's watching some kind of cooking show and he wakes up when they're talking about, oh, and this is how you prepare scallops and you saute them in the pan and everything. And then he opens his eyes because someone's giving him a basket for his disgusting tissues. And guess who's here? I don't want, I don't want, I don't like it. I don't either, Tanner. So I'll, I'll keep it short. It's Terry... She's here. She really, really wants to play sick baby with Will, and he tells her to leave. So she leaves. Uh, Oh, they ruined baby talk for me. And it was already on thin fucking ice. And then Glee just smashed through it like the submarine from Fate of the Furious. (laughs) Valid. Anyway, time for other things to get smashed. There there is a line where Will says, you only love it when I'm sick because you only love me when I'm weak. Which is yes. raises some concerning implications of the marriage. I mean, I think they literally said. I think he literally said that back in season one when they were like actually like going like going to separate for the first time. He was like, "The only reason this marriage works is be- is when I don't feel good about myself." Yeah, but like with that was about uh, he's a bit of a pushover and he's he finds it hard to stand up for himself and he's weak willed. When this one's like, no, he's physically weak and it's difficult for him to muster up the strength to resolve to resist her advances. It's fucking creepy. Yes, I agree that it is creepy. Um, but anyways, Will is dead, and so Rachel has assumed the leadership position. Yes. Uh, turns out that, uh, we, we find this out because Kurt and Mercedes are having lunch and he cancels some plans to hang out with Mercedes because he's like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with Blaine. Sorry. It's just really nice to have someone to talk to. And Mercedes is like, excuse me. And he's like, well, someone like me, a gay. We're having a totally platonic gay date. Yes. And then we get Mercedes's character arc for this episode, which is that she's, she likes tater tots. Yeah. Okay, it's it's not the worst. It easily could have been worse than what it was. Yes. Yes, it could have been um, worse. But it is during this scene where, like, Kurt says that they need to figure out what to do with Glee Club because we, they can't let Rachel continue being in charge. Mm-hmm. And it flashes back to Rachel announcing that the that she wants this week's assignment to be me. You're going to sing your favorite songs about me. 
And then Santana starts ranting in Spanish and tries to attack mm-hmm. Rachel and everyone has mm-hmm. to hold her back. She calls her crazy and Rachel just like has this incredible terrified face of like, <laughs> I close my eyes and I see that face and I'm able to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> it was delightful. My note here was go off, girl. Yep. Anyway, it's time for a guest star. Guess who it is? It's Chris Martin from Coldplay. <laughs> God, could you imagine just recasting this this character as Chris Martin and everything is kept the same? I would love that. I would love that too. It would be it would be very Emma Stone hosting SNL that one episode, that one sketch. I don't think I know which one you're talking about, Tanner. There, there was okay. There was an episode of Saturday Night Live that came out. Emma Stone is hosting it to promote Amazing Spider-Man Two. Have you seen Amazing Spider-Man Two? No, but is this the one where that that that's the episode where they were like, okay, everyone, we need you two to make out convincingly, and she and Andrew Garfield just were like, okay, now you're gonna stick your entire chin in my mouth. Yeah, the joke was that they they don't know how to kiss like normal people. Mm, okay. So then, but the way it concludes is that, because Coldplay was the musical guest, so it concludes with Chris Martin, like, can we get Chris Martin to sub in? And Emma Stone is like, yes, yes, I would love that. And so then Chris Martin grabs a Gwen Stacy wig and shoves Emma Stone off to the side <laughs> and does, like, a whole off-script romantic speech to Andrew Garfield, and they full-on make out. And Andrew Garfield's like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then it cuts to, like, the, the reviews, and it just says, a new Spider-Man movie has weird ending. <laughs> You know what? Good for them. That sounds like it's fun. <laughs> Andrew Garfield, whose statements about his sexuality has been, you know, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Good for him. Happy Wrath Month. Uh, back into it. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Kurt is like, I have a cunning plan. There's a new substitute for Spanish class, who's played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. Her, her character's name is Holly Holiday, which is definitely not her real name. The- <laughs> she's de- I feel like she's the kind of person who's definitely changed her legal name and called it like a rebranding before. There, there's that. There is also, uh, I don't know if, I mean, <laughs> this part of the fandom kind of doesn't care about anything anymore. But at the time, there was a contingent of the fandom who had a feeling that like, she was born in one of those, like, small towns that's all about Christmas. Like, the, their brand is we're a Christmas tourist trap town. Oh, God, she was born in a Hallmark Christmas movie and got out? <laughs> Basically. Like, the, the same thinking of um, Eve from Librarians, whose name is Eve because she was born in a Christmas town on Christmas Eve. That's terrible. I mean, it sounds fun, but also, like, I would not want that to be me. <laughs> Holly Holiday could easily be the name of a Marvel character. Very true, very true. Which in itself is amusing. <laughs> yeah. Because this was before she was in Iron Man, right? No, it was Iron Man was 2008. Oh, huh. So this technically would have been after Iron Man 2. Hmm. I think. Yeah, no. No, before Iron Man 2. That was 2011. Because there was... <laughs> no, we don't have time to get into the me memorizing the timeline of Marvel movies. You don't have time to get for you to get into that, Tanner. Anyways, there are better thi- there are better uses of your time spent upon this earth than memorizing the Marvel timeline. And anyways, Holly Holiday is like speaking Spanish. Is like, hey kids, want to talk about how Lindsay Lohan is crazy and went to rehab? Mm-hmm. Which is hey, I I try to give Lindsay Lohan the benefit of the doubt a lot. Yes, and she doesn't deserve to be made fun of, much no. like Britney Spears. Except I mean, I mean, Lindsay Lohan isn't in the conservatorship. But it, it is 
very similar to the Britney case of, look at this crazy lady, let's make fun of her for being crazy. Yeah. So, I have a segment to bring back. Christina's Spanish Corner. Oh boy. Because this is the first time, maybe in this season of Glee, in which we've heard anyone speaking Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) And aside from a few, like, like, minor, like, phrases where, like, the, I don't think the word they use is the one they intended. Like, she literally, the first line she says is, uh, Lindsay Lohan es bien loca, no? Which is, Lindsay Lohan is crazy good, right? <laughs> Instead of saying muy loca, which would have been very crazy. And I'm here, actually, to commend Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, Spanish speaking skills. <laughs> because she is, at least in this episode of Glee, she was a relatively fluid sounding speaker like a relatively coherent speaker who's good with like conversational spanish so good diction wrong word choice yes yes wrong word choice but overall good diction like there's a part where like there's this thing in spanish where instead of saying certain consonants use like a oh like a corazon which is spelled c-o-r-a-z-o-n but you say corazon instead you know like sunshine yes like sunshine (laughs) um but but Gwyneth Paltrow used, like, that particular, like, pronunciation and was like, you know what? This is acceptable. Good for you. The, also, the actual Spanish class scene, it starts fun because, it, like, it's, so it has a voiceover from Holly Holiday. Mm-hmm. It's not easy being a substitute teacher. Kids feel like they get the day off. They'll goof off and egg your car, cut class, break into your car, throw spitballs, put an alligator in your car. <laughs> and I don't even have that nice of a car. <laughs> Um, and it does, while she's doing this, it's like, it's Mike and Puck and Finn are all in the same Spanish class, and Mike is like, rapidly hucking paper balls at the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, on the note of having a sub and getting the day off, I once again want to bring up the fact that in middle school, my French teacher vanished two weeks into the year, and so we had a sub for the rest of the semester. Who did oh, not know wow. French and wasn't expecting to be there for the whole semester. So very soon that turned into relax and play cribbage class. And then one time she got sick, so we had a substitute substitute who expected us to be fluid in French and got really pissed off that we didn't know how to conjugate. Yikes! I don't have any stories that are that wild. <laughs> and then afterwards they were like, Tanner, why don't you know, you know any French? And I was like, because I was not taught any. French teaching didn't do it. <laughs> I know, listen. I know rouge et jaune et orange et vert, violet, orange et bleu. And I know la poule, roule, roule, roule. And that's it. That's more than I know of French. <laughs> <laughs> and the tabernacle. So Kurt walks into this class and he's like, hey, Holly Holiday, could you, t- <laughs> can you uh, substitute for Glee class as well? And she's like, what makes you think I can sing? And then we cut back to her subbing in for English class where she's mm-hmm. doing a smooth jazz rendition of Conjunction Junction. What's your function? Yeah. Like, as someone who likes Schoolhouse Rock, like, it doesn't need to be, like, a smooth jazz version. It's sung fine, but it doesn't need to be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There. <laughs> also, important note is that there's a, a kid who's, like, dressed like a stoner, and he's like, Dude, you're on anything right now? Because this is wild. Mm-hmm. And Kurt's like, you smell homeless, brat. And that, first off, that's mean. 
Second off, uh, the fandom very quickly started calling this character Homeless Brett. And so, or Stoner Brett. Stoner Brett. So the fandom called him Homeless Brett. And then the, when he became a recurring extra on the show, they had to redub him Stoner Brett because even they realized, hey, that's kind of mean. Yeah, he has an article on the Glee Wiki. Yeah, Stoner Brett. Yeah, that's how much he comes back. <laughs> but anyway, Kurt's like, please coach Glee. And she's like, I thought you'd never ask. And then we get to cut to Puck doing a prank. He's he's literally got a stick of butter and is rubbing it on the floor. And Finn is like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "We got a sub. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make them wipe out when they come in." And then Artie goes, "Hey, Gigantor, we're all we're all gonna swap names, y'all." Yeah, it, it's on one hand, the idea of swapping name pranks is fun. Buttering the floor. It's an original idea, but not... At least it's original to me, but... I can't condone that. <laughs> but you know what I can condone? <laughs> is the fact that Puck is like, let's butter the floor. And then Rachel walks in and completely wipes out. And Puck goes, yes, it worked! <laughs> and oh, I'm and like, do it again. <laughs> she stands up. Well, at least I didn't break my talent. Yes. Which, God, that line was so over the fandom at the time. <laughs> at least i didn't fall and break my talent mm-hmm. and then holly walks in and she slides across the floor <laughs> oh the classe Slide- <laughs> sliding into your glee room <laughs> <laughs> um and she her 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 whole introductory talk is basically like i'm not like other substitutes I'm a cool substitute, and I think that we should decentralize the educational power structure. <laughs> um, they do try the name swapping, uh, and Puck says, I'm Finn Hudson, I'm the quarterback, and then I cuss to Santana, and I'm Rachel Berry, his loud, loud girlfriend, and then pan over to Brittany, <laughs> I'm Mike Chang, and then pans back to Mike, and he just does a nod of approval. <laughs> <laughs> but Holly knows their names. Not because yes. she's psychic, but because she watched the clip of them performing at regionals last semester, where they came in last. Yeah, and they're like, oh, excuse you, we tried real hard. <laughs> and ba- basically then the rest of this introduction is that it's the power of yes and. Because <laughs> she's like, hey, you know what? Your songs are old and they suck. And they're like, yeah, well, we tried to ask Mr. Shu to- Mr. Schuster to let us do new songs, and he said no. And there's literally a flashback, I think, because Puck's the one saying it. And the flashback is Puck saying, hey, can we do something from this century? And he's like, no, wait, there's a Journey song we haven't covered yet. I'm sure of it. (laughs) (laughs) Holly's like, we should have class outside. But it's raining. Then let's go to Taco Bell and smoke some weed. Weed teacher says go to Taco Bell. (laughs) And then, and I don't remember how it happens, but we get to go to the official the first official musical number of the episode yeah it's it's forget you by CeeLo green also known mm-hmm. as fuck you so a lot of people were mad that th- this cover popularized the censored version of the song which is like how do you expect a song called fuck you to get radio play yeah if it's if it's airing on like non-mainstream radio stations i guess <laughs> Maybe. Um, I, I actually prefer the Forget You version, like the, the clean mm-hmm. version, because I think the two syllables have a better rhythm to it. And mm-hmm. also, it's it sounds like better living through pettiness rather than just being mean and saying fuck you. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, that being said, I also, I'm not a huge fan of Gwyneth's version. It's fine. It's not bad. Yeah. Like, the the choreography and, like, the staging of this number is fun, because it's, it, it's another one of, what? I was just gonna say, choreography is on the fence for me, because Kurt's <laughs> dancing in this number is objectively bad. It's, I, 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 I'm gonna, let me, let me rephrase that then. I think the choreography and the staging is fun because it's another one of those musical numbers where it's like, hey, let's get everyone up and involved with this musical number and having a good time. Because, like, there'll be parts where... Sorry, I'll stop. Sorry, I'm just miming Kurt's dancing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Kurt's dancing is in itself not great. He's got, like, his arms up, like, kind of like chicken and just kind of, like, doing a bunch of pushing motions. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, it's like, Oh, the the unholy trinity like runs into do some like fun like backup dancing and stuff together as a group, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And also a fun part is that everyone's having a good time in the song except for Rachel Berry, who's sitting in the back and pouting. Exactly. <laughs> what What are your thoughts? I also have two trivia parts about this. <laughs> um, I do like I do like the part when Gwyneth Paltrow goes, "Why, why?" I think she does those notes good. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the fact that Mercedes and Artie only get to sing, like, the bridge is a waste. And I would have preferred yes. Mercedes, like, I would have liked it better if Gwyneth Paltrow said, Mercedes, you look like a cool girl. What if you sang Forget You? And then she did. And then Gwyneth Paltrow sang the bridge. That would be fun. One, one bit of trivia is that out of the entirety of Glee's discography, this is the second best selling song of all time. <laughs> well, because it had Oscar winner Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. I guess. But another fact is actually something that you might have seen, Tanner, given that I know you've done some Saturday Night Live deep dives recently. Oh? Um, apparently there was a bit on Saturday Night Live after this aired where Kenan Thompson did an impersonation of CeeLo Green singing Gwyneth Paltrow's song from Glee by CeeLo Green. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was... <laughs> I don't remember that, but I can see it happening. I, I absolutely can see it happening. I mean, they, they performed that at a music award show together, like CeeLo and Gwyneth. Huh. Because that was when Glee was, like, so fucking huge. And it was... I remember how, like, the, the discrepancy because it was, like, Gwyneth Paltrow in, like, a normal leather cat suit, but then also CeeLo Green basically dresses Elton John surrounded by Muppets. What the fuck? Yeah. So it's, like, I think, I think general consensus was, Gwyneth Paltrow, you're too basic to sing this song. Probably, yes. The only context in which she could was singing it on Glee. Exactly. Anyway, time for a very short scene, which was kind of fun. <laughs> Don't know why the scene exists, but I'm glad it does. Me too. Because the the, the next scene is uh, Coach Beast talking to his team about, like, you do not spray athlete's foot medication in people's eyes. And this is directed at Puck, who just says, like, what do I do? <laughs> well, I think you sprayed your athlete's foot medication in people's eyes. On purpose. <laughs> And then Sue storms in and is like, I have, I would like to inform you that effective 4 p.m. today, I'm disbanding the football team. And then Coach Beast is like, but who are the Cheerios going to be cheering for if there is no football team? And Sue is like, I'm going to get back to you on this. Goodbye. <laughs> and then, and then leaves. <laughs> Which is like, I'm, I'm glad that Sue Sylvester got it hand, handed to her in at least one way in this episode. And then Beast, like, sprays the medication at her from behind. And mm-hmm. then he turns back to the team and points at it. No. 
Yes. <laughs> and then Sue decides that because she cannot destroy the football team as well, it is time for her to wage war on tater tots. Yeah, because she also couldn't ban sitting because no one w- would allow her to replace all the chairs with sharp poles. <laughs> oh, God. Which almost happened. Okay, not actually, but <laughs> we... There was a classroom in one of my schools where it was like, it was very, very old school and the chairs could not move. They were like, it was a, a desk attached to a chair and the ta- chair attached, oh no, the desk was attached to the ground and the chair was also attached to the ground by like a single your metal pole so that you couldn't rotate in your chair or move your chair around or anything. Because that was back when like, children are prisoners of the education system, but more so than now. Um, <laughs> but at some point, one of the chairs in the classroom had been removed for some reason. And so someone went to sit down and like, we all had to like shout at them, don't, because they're about to sit on the metal pole. Yikes. Unfortunately, there was another desk they could sit at, but... Jeez. I think that was from my school where it was like, they kept expanding it sideways. And so if you started in like the most western side and continued moving east then it would get more and more old-fashioned until, like, one side had, like, a key card door to get in, the other side was just, like, a wrought iron fence. <laughs> Holy cow. Franken school. Jeez, growing pain school. <laughs> My high school was pretty run-of-the-mill compared to that. <laughs> anyway. It's time for a plagiarization of Donald O'Connor's work. Yes. <laughs> the... <laughs> The, the the scene after this is Will walking into the auditorium, and then we hear, in a delightful display of getting to have lines in an episode, uh, Mike, Mike Chang says like, Oh, Will, we're so glad that you could make it back. We were so concerned that we wouldn't be able to win sectionals without you. And then Will is like, Yes, and I have the perfect number that we should do for sectionals, Mike, so let's run it through. You follow my lead. Uh, then they proceed to do uh, Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain. Because I think we forgot to mention earlier that uh, apparently Will's favorite sick movie is Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Yeah, Terry Terry like hands it to him and is like, here's your favorite movie to watch while you're sick. Just to show that I still love you, actually, even though I tried to, like, molest you with an anal thermometer. Yeah, that happened. But anyway. Um, <laughs> moving past that. Moving past that. Um, this number is essentially a recreation of... The whole thing from Singing in the Rain, like, they they kind of split up, like, who is doing what parts of the physical comedy and dancing. But then um, also they have Will singing the whole thing. Yes, which Will, I, Will I, sings I the whole thing. I can't remember if it was just the one guy singing the whole thing in the original two, but... Yes, it, it was. Okay, so it, it does, though, make it feel like Mike was almost added as an afterthought... Yeah. Also, he's wearing, like, this bulky jacket. Yeah. This ugly and bulky jacket. It's... Part of, like, they they basically just do the whole thing. Uh, and part of it is also, like, Brad is playing, pi- is playing the piano because of course he is. And they keep, like, harassing poor Brad as he plays the piano for their musical number. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, they... Stop. S- <laughs> Leave Brad alone. <laughs> they smack him with their hats. Um, but they both do the wall run, and they both do that thing where they put their elbows on the floor and then run in a circle on the floor. And my note here is, uh, Harry Shum Jr. does it better. <laughs> yeah, Harry Shum Jr. does all of these moves better. Yes. Also, maybe part of that was because apparently, uh, while they were filming this, Matthew Morrison broke a finger. Oh, tragic. And anyway, then Will wakes up and it was all a dream. Yep. Anyway, you know what also I wish was, uh, maybe just a dream? Uh, basically the next scene is, uh, Rachel shows up at Will's house and 
in another thing that is irrelevant and nah in 2020 uh, she's wearing a mask and they make it a point of like oh haha you can't be heard if you're talking through a mask yes you can yes you can fuck you CeeLo Green's fuck you yes you can just speak loud <clears throat> if you yes. don't know that you have to slightly raise your voice to, to be heard mm-hmm. through your mask at this point in time then you haven't been wearing a mask long enough also if you're still taking down your mask to speak or mm-hmm. to use the debit machine <laughs> why do you why the fuck do you need it to use a debit machine i don't know but there are so many people that's like okay i'm gonna pay with debit and i turn on the debit machine and they're like great let me just pull down my mask so i can enter my pin number like you're not using your tongue you're not you're not you're not touching it with your nose yeah i mean i would understand if you were i'd be horrified but i would understand <laughs> Anyway, R- Rachel's entire visit to Will is because she tells him to get better. Otherwise, uh, Holly Holiday is going to lead a revolt and everyone's going to vote you off the island. Yep. And also, uh, Holly and uh, Sue were doing, were getting highlights in their hair and drinking wine together in the principal's office at school. And watching animal hoarders, which I guess is like hoarders, but with animals. I guess. I've never watched hoarders, so I... I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with it <laughs> yeah so in the next scene uh Mercedes is once again stood up by Kurt because Kurt's like me and Blaine got tickets to Sound of Music we only got two no, tickets sorry no, Mercedes it wasn't Sound of Music it was Rent oh it was Rent right because the, gay gay I don't know I would argue Sound of Music is gayer anyways Mercedes is like I'm all alone the only thing I can live for now is tots and then Santana comes and takes all the tots and all the Cheerios Declare that Principal Sue Sylvester has banned tots, and they all get tossed in the trash. And Mercedes is furious. Yeah. She goes to fight with Sue, and Sue is like, I love President Nixon. Yes. He's a role model. <laughs> Which, we're not shocked. We're, we're, we're disappointed, but not surprised. <laughs> yes, absolutely not surprised. Sue holds up a stick of broccoli, and she's like, what is this? And Mercedes goes, a toilet brush. Which is like, come on. Come on. Come on. Mercedes's dad is a dentist. Do you think they wouldn't be eating healthy at home? <laughs> Let's hope that she was being sarcastic. I hope so. Apparently, when Sue showed it to Brittany, she started crying because she thought that she had chopped down a tree where gummy bears lived. And that's also not an indicator of, like, bad eating ha- habits. That's just Brittany. <laughs> it is just Brittany. But yeah, Sue was like, obesity is a disease. And Mercedes is like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. And we'll we'll come back. We'll circle back to this at the end of the episode. Uh huh. But I still stand by my statement that it could have been worse. It absolutely could have been worse. But you know what is actually pretty okay is the fact that the next scene is Holly Holiday coming up to Rachel in her locker and basically saying, "Hey, Rachel, did you know that you suck?" <laughs> Has anyone ever told you that you're a total drag? And Puck walks by. I have. And so Holly immediately hands him the answers to the pop quiz that she's giving in Spanish. I don't advocate for academic dishonesty, but also academics are kind of a sham as far as testing goes. So like... Academics already dishonest. So if you cheat on it, then it loops all the way back around to being morally correct again. (laughs) Yeah. And anyway... Holly goes up to Rachel and she's like, okay, but like your problem is that you're so, you're such a drag and you're so upset because you have, you have all these great ideas, Rachel, and they never get done because Mr. Schuster never listens to you. And then Rachel's like, well, I do have a a musical number that I had been wanting to do, but I need a partner to do it. And Holly's like, 
Also important to note is that Holly says, Rachel, I used to be just like you. And Rachel asks her, what happened? And Holly said, I got punched in the face. Anyways. Yeah, do it. Oh, yeah. And then Holly says, I I thought you'd never ask. That's kind of my catchphrase. Like, no, you don't get to give yourself a catchphrase. The catchphrase emerges organically if you're trying to give yourself a catchphrase. Mm -hmm. Same thing as, like, giving yourself a nickname. You can't give yourself a nickname. I want to be called the Hammer. You know why I can't be called the Hammer? Because it's taken. But also because you can't give yourself a nickname. (laughs) Who are you, Holly Holiday? You're not the Cut Man. Sorry, that was a Sports Night reference. Okay. Anyways, hey Terry, what meds are you on? Yeah, this is the part that I would like to. I would like to just read the, my my notes here verbatim. Um, Terry helps Terry helps Will to eat in bed. I have moved to a different browser tab. Maybe they have sex. Vapor rub is involved. I don't want to see this. There's a concerning drum section. I hope she gets sick too. My notes were. Don't with the baby, please. Oh no, vapor rub. Stop! William! Yeah. So yeah, basically, Terry is gonna put vapor rub on Will's back. And she's like, you have to take your shirt off. And Will's like, okay, fine. And so then she's about to put the vapor rub on. Then instead she's like, what if I kissed your neck? And then Will's like, Terry, we shouldn't. And Terry's like, please? And Will's like, okay. (sighs) don't like it i don't like it please can we please move on yes let's move on anyway kurt comes back into lunch mercedes is hangry because she has a craving for tater tots uh and he says i got you set up with a date mercedes gets a great line here because she's like oh is he is it because he's one of the only black guys at school and kurt's like no it's because he's a wide end receiver or linebacker or something on the football team i don't remember and he's involved in like the black student leadership club and mercedes is like does he have any activities that are not about being black my google search came up a little short but was he googling hot black guys in your area I feel like he just opened the yearbook and then just Googled... He he went through there with a fine-tooth comb and then Googled the names of all the black guys. And Kurt then apologizes for something about Blaine. No, he's like, oh, and love... And you'll find love someday. It's fine. And Mercedes is like, I'm not upset... Well, I'm not upset about that specifically right now. But you know what? I'm, I'm upset about the fact that Karofsky walks by and just, like, leers at Kurt. Yeah. But then, in a beautiful scene, that is something that would happen in high school. Mercedes pulls out what looks like a fucking Bristol board. <laughs> <laughs> like, art supply Bristol board pad. And just writes on it real big, tots. And then she, like, holds it up over her head. And then, like, in the background of the cafeteria, a student yells, tots! And it starts a revolution. Tots! 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 It's implied they're going to start a Le Miz-esque uh, food riot <laughs> over tater tots. Do and... you hear the people sing sing the song of angry tots? <laughs> and then Sue says, So the tot wars have begun, Becky. <laughs> so anyways, hot honey rag, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Time for nowadays hot honey rag. It's, the, it's basically just the song number from Chicago. 
Yeah, except not as good. I haven't seen Chicago, so I don't have a benchmark for it. It's just... Here's the problem, is that Most of Hot Honey Rag is a dance number. So, Mm -hmm. the fact that Rachel and Gwyneth are not the best dancers trying to do all these dance moves, and it's just the two of them, so you can't can't kind of just, like, magic eye and see the whole group dancing as one, you're only looking at these two dancing with extremely, like, I okay, I know flappers, they're supposed to be extremely short skirts, but these are uncomfortably short skirts. And, yeah. And also, the height difference between the two is ridiculous. Yes, it was, it, you mean it's hilarious. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this, this musical number, to me, it felt more like it was Leah Michelle and Gwyneth Paltrow doing it instead of Rachel Berry and Holly Holiday. Yeah. Also, like, the Glee Club were getting, like, super into it for some reason. It's like, Sam is getting into it. He's like, yeah! Yeah! When, like, all they're doing is, like, entering from stage left with top hats. Yeah. And and then they... Okay, so they have, like, this a whole... The light board behind them where it's, like, a whole grid mm-hmm. full of individual incandescent bulbs and, like, doing the flashing mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know, had to do in the 20s for a Chicago set. Um, and then they come out with some, like, fake guns and they, like, mime shooting the screen. Like, all the light bulbs explode. And so in the... I don't know if this happens in the movie or stage production, but I think both. But in the movie, when they do it, they go, and all the lights just go out until it just says Roxy and Velma, which are the characters singing it. But this Mm -hmm. one, no, the light bulbs just shoot sparks out of them, which is a fire hazard. Yeah. Well, look, they had to have a a fire hazard to offset the other elemental hazard from the end of the episode. Yes. <laughs> um, the one upside to this is that because I had watched this like before I watched the show proper, YouTube decided that I now like everything Chicago. But they did suggest to me uh, a clip from a Korean staging of the musical, so I got to watch uh, "We Both Reach oh, for nice. the Gun" in Korean, and it was pretty dope. Oh, cool! And the guy who was playing uh, Billy Flynn held that note for like so long at the end. It was great. Chicago is not really my cup of tea, so I'm glad that you had a good time. <laughs> Anyway, then the next day, uh, Will comes back to school, and he's he's clearly, you know, still, like, getting over being sick, because he's doing a thing where he's got, like, a scarf wrapped around underneath a shirt kind of a thing to keep his throat warm. And Sue was like, William, you don't need to be here. Everyone likes Holly Holiday much better. But as long as you're here, I'm going to scalp you and make a coat for premature infants out of your hair. And it turns out that apparently uh, her war on junk food has earned her an offer to be the full-time principal because she's making some kind of progress, apparently. And then she says, hey, you know what's extraneous at the school? You. You're fired. And my note here is, quick, Will, find an educator to go kiss. <laughs> After Will gets fired, we then go to um, poor Mercedes, third wheeling for Kurt and Blaine at Breadsticks. They're they're having this discussion, and, like, they're both sitting on the same side of the booth. So it's very clear here that, like, they're they're on a date, and she's just there with them. No, it's a platonic gay friendship dinner encounter, because they're not official yet. Yes. And they're talking about, like, oh my gosh, what was your favorite Vogue cover of 2010? And... I'm and I I sympathize with Mercedes. It's tough to be a third wheel. Um, this is highly but, unrealistic because <laughs> first off, two gays together would not have enough brain cells, especially high school gays would not have the brain cells to keep track of every go Vogue cover of the year. Also, yeah. 
unrealistic that they are not yet dating on account of they're the only two gay guys each other knows. Yeah. But yeah, Mer- Mer- all, all this to say is that Mercedes then uh, sits there getting hangry and uh, she's having tater tot withdrawal. Yes. <laughs> and and also the fact that like the conversation that they're having is just so excluding of her that she just kind of like phases out and she just keeps hearing them say gay, 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 gay. Oh, look, I opened my mouth and a little pink purse fell out. How'd that get in there? <laughs> also, also important note. Um, back when this episode aired, I followed a person who most of their content was just, uh, Kurt X. Karofsky comics, because again, I will go down with this ship. <laughs> I cannot follow where you go, Tanner. Anyways, the comic that they posted after this episode came out was Karofsky, like, glowering at Kurt from a distance, and he's like, oh, that Kurt, I hate how gay he is, it's, it's, I hate this so much. And then he, like, coughs, and then he looks in his hand, and there's, like, a little purse in his hand, like, what the hell? <laughs> Okay, that's good. Anyways, the Mercedes orders tots, and the waitress is like, oh, you must be from McKinley. Yeah, we got tots. Yeah, we got the hookup. <laughs> Did your school outlawed uh, hot Cheetos because they were concerned about students' health? Yeah, we got the hookup for that, too. I don't think my school outlawed anything. I mean, nothing ridiculous. Yeah. I don't even know where we were again. <laughs> um, uh, Holly and Will talking in the classroom. Yeah, so I guess Will is healthy now. Physically healthy. As healthy as he's going to get. Yeah. Uh, Will walks into the choir classroom while Holly's like, Hey, let's do some repainting. Let's paint this blue wall panel yellow. Thanks, band kids. And Will basically comes in and he's like, This is my classroom. These are my kids. You may not have them. Holly says, My city, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, they, they, they have an argument that... Like, I, I, I'm i actually kind of a little bit more on Holly's side with this, because it's like, they they he talks about like, oh, like, I should be their teacher, not you. I know what's best for the kids. And Holly's like, I, I literally wrote down what she says here. Uh, These kids feel special. They have a voice. And if we don't listen to it, they'll just tune us out. So like, you have to listen to the kids, Will. And... Yeah. And, and Will's counter-argument is that the kids are young and developing and they need to learn that there are opinions and viewpoints other than their own, which is on paper correct. But the text of the show demonstrates that he is not adequately teaching that because he's only teaching his own viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they also have a little discussion on, like... How is it, like, what is the best form of reinforcement where Will is like, oh, if the kids do something good, then I praise them. And Holly's like, when they do something good, I tweet them because 2010 and things weren't bad on Twitter yet. I mean, they probably were just. (laughs) Things weren't weren't as publicly bad on Twitter yet. (laughs) Exactly. And also the job market sucks and I can't turn down a, a paying job in the arts in education. Exactly. Which, valid. Also, again, relevant to this is that there were a lot of fanfics that spun out of, what if Holly was able to just stay Glee teacher for the whole time and Will never showed up again? You know, I'd be curious to read some of those, actually. Anyway, time for things you have to do when you're a teacher sometimes. hmm <laughs> So, Mercedes and Holly are in Sue's office, and... 
Sue's like, do you know what Mercedes did? And it cuts to a flashback of Mercedes in the choir room saying, can I be excused? I'm going to shove tots up the tailpipe of Coach Sylvester's car. And then pans over to Holly, who is now the full-time Glee Cub teacher. Sure! Yeah. And then Sue was like, Mercedes has caused $70,000 worth of damage to my incredibly expensive and rare car. Her le car. Yes, her le car. Which is apparently so fancy and so rare and unique and special that it needs to be specially worked on. And she's like, Holly, what uh, what punishment do you suggest for Mercedes's uh, actual crime? And she's like, well, I don't know. I was going to suggest clapping erasers. But you guys are all dry erase. And then... Sue sends Mercedes out, and then she looks at Holly square in the face and says, You don't know what you're doing, do you? She's not wrong. Yeah. So so then Holly shows up at Will's place, and she's mm-hmm. like, Hey, about me stealing your job. Yes. And so then we get Holly's origin story, mm-hmm. where she used to be very straight-laced and didn't care about the kids. And then she went to... A, okay, so she goes to a quote-unquote ghetto school... Oh, no, I, d- I missed that part. I mean, she that's not what they say, but the implication is there that, like, oh, this school is on the wrong side of the tracks. <sighs> and she says there was a girl there named Cameo, and she describes her as saying she was, like, an attractive Biggie Smalls, which is mean, and... Yikes. <laughs> I, I don't want to say racist, but I feel like it's in there, too. Yes, probably, yes. Um, Cameo immediately becomes very loudmouthed and angry at her. And Holly's like, I hear you guys are struggling with math. Well, I've got some tricks. And Cameo goes, you mean witchcraft? I'm a Christian. I don't bother with that. And then she runs and attacks Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. And then when she wakes up, they had stolen her Air Jordans. And this whole thing just left a bad taste in my mouth. Because it's like, you, you had to go... You, there were so many other ways that you could have demonstrated Holly Holiday's origin story of becoming the cool teacher mm-hmm. without having to like just dev- devote an entire scene to a racist black angry black woman mm-hmm. stereotype. You you know what just occurred to me is like I don't want to try and give Glee any benefit of the doubt with this, but that also could be the way that Holly is remembering it. That may not have been what actually happened. That's just how she remembers it and how she's telling it to Will. See, I feel like if they were going to go that route, then at a later point they would have shown the true story, and they didn't. So clearly yeah. they're... I am not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I am going to say the, that the writer's room decided, hey, you know what? This scene needs a sassy, angry, dumb black woman. No one will be mad at this. Everyone will love this. But I'm glad she got punched in the face. Yes, absolutely. My note here is do it again, please. <laughs> We're advocating for a lot of violence in this episode. <laughs> Look, Glee does violence to us. We advocate violence against it. <laughs> no, that's true. Anyway, Holly then was like, yeah, and that's why I figured that it was just easier to just go along with things and take the easy road out with everything. And now I'm just scared of commitment. And I don't feel like I could stick around and teach the kids, which is best for them. And then time for the train wreck to enter the room. 
Terry walks in the door because she's come to hang out with Will and she's immediately like, oh, who's this other woman in your household? How dare you hang out and socialize with other woman? And, and Holly is like, I am literally just the person who stole his job. That is all. <laughs> and... And Terry is, and she introduces herself, and Terry's like, "Oh, what, what, what was it? Are you a, are you a stripper or a drag queen?" Yeah, when she finds out that her name is Holly Holiday. Yeah, and then Terry is like, "And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna step out of here." And we're like, "No, you stay, Terry. You must leave. I will never be with you ever again. Us having sex was a mistake." And this whole time, Holly's in the background, like. I'm specifically trying to tune everything out, even though I'm stuck in this room with this happening. Yep. (laughs) And Terry says some abusive things and leaves. I didn't write down what they were because it was just meh. It wasn't even abusive, but she was like, you're going to regret this, Will. If you push me out those doors, I'll never come back. And was like, that's the idea. You're my ex-wife. Leave. And thankfully she does. Bye, Terry. Goodbye, Terry. come back. I think we only have to deal with five Vortaries. Thank God. So, um, in the next scene, Mercedes is back at her locker, because I guess she hasn't been suspended or expelled yet? Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. even even Holly Holiday was like, I don't even know what Sue did to Mercedes. Ah, oh, see? Uh, point B. I am bad teacher. Yeah. Yeah. So Mercedes is like, hey, Kurt, look what I got. And then she pulls out, like, contraband tots and a Tupperware. <laughs> And Kurt says, no, you're going to get arrested for tots. <laughs> He's like, listen, you're substituting tots for love and me for a boyfriend. You need to stop hyper-focusing on this one thing and start living your life and putting yourself out there. And so that's that's why I'm okay with this plot, because the plot was never really about Mercedes eating unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was Mercedes hyper-focusing her feelings of being left out on the tots. She was Mm -hmm. substituting the tots for other things. Uh... (laughs) So the the moral isn't eat less tots. The moral is don't get emotional about the tots when you could get emotional about boys. The moral of this episode of Glee is that Tater Tots are not your boyfriend or romantic (laughs) partner, and they never will be. But they can be your bestie. I guess. Evidence from later in the series will show that Mercedes did not give up on the tots. Good. Tater tots are good. In fact, after watching the episode last night, I almost got tater tots for dinner, or along with dinner, but I'm, decided against it. I'm, I might actually buy some tater tots when I get for groceries this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're on sale, actually. Oh, hell yeah. Maybe. It's like the store brand one, so they can't call them tater tots. They gotta call them, mm. like, potato nuggies. <laughs> <laughs> potato nuggies. <laughs> The the only thing about the the only, the last positive note in this scene is that Mercedes is like, you know what? Maybe I actually will go talk to Anthony Rashad, the cute football guy, because I did think that he was cute even before you said anything about it. And at the very least, you'll have a platonic friend that you can talk about black stuff with, because you can talk about all your friends only setting up with black people. You can talk about like actual black culture instead of about the appropriation of black culture by me, a white gay. Yes, Matt's gone. She can no longer relate to anyone. Justice for Mercedes. <laughs> Please, justice for Mercedes. For all the black cast of Glee. Yes. I agree. I would watch... What if What if when they inevitably do the reboot, 
Ryan Murphy is just like an executive producer and all the creative decisions are like Matthew Cherry. Yes, absolutely. Go for it. Uh, the last part of the scene is an actual fucking murder threat. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. The, mm. Yeah, Karofsky comes up behind Kurt and he's like, did you tell anyone that you kissed me? And Kurt says, you kissed me, actually, but no, I obviously didn't because I'm not an asshole. And Makarovsky is like, well, if you do, I will kill you. Yeah. And l- listen, Karofsky, honey, listen, just... I'll be... You, you hope that the threat was never serious and it was just exaggeration because he is scared. That's what Karofsky is in the end, a scared little boy. But yes, we acknowledge that he did horrible things to Kurt and Kurt is traumatized enough that Kurt would probably believe it. Karofsky is a mess. This is what homophobia does to people. I agree with that. I am still... I am still less inclined to be merciful with Karofsky at this point. That is fair. I am looking at Karofsky from the big picture whole series perspective. You really only have Mm -hmm. this section of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Karofsky redemption arc. Still a while out. Yeah, tune in in like, what, like a season? A literal season from now? It starts near the end of this season. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. But you know who does get a redemption arc this episode? Even if he doesn't need one. Is it Will? It's Will. I would argue that it's only on paper he's getting a redemption arc. It's not actually executed. Yeah. Because the the next scene is uh, Will getting his job back. Because apparently Sue... Sue if, if you remember, back in season one, episode 21, when Will told Sue... That the reason that she is such a good teacher is because her students love her and she loves her students. Turns out that apparently uh, the, the Glee kids like Will enough that they all filed in to do a confession cam style talking about how much Will Schuster has changed their life for the better. Like, Finn is there, and he says, like, Oh, Mr. Shoes, the only teacher at the school who asks you how you're doing and wants, it, and wants to hear the answer. Which is what- it's weird that this is what Finn says on account of the fact that the crux of the episode, like, the conflict of Will's character in this episode is that he, they're trying to say he's not listening to the kids? Yeah. Uh, Sam says, Mr. Shoe taught me how to tie my shoes. And I'm like, oh, Sam, oh, honey. I, I actually like that line because, Sa- listen, in later seasons, Sam becomes comically dumb. Someone in the writer's room looked up the word himbo and is like, I'm gonna make this what Sam is. But it doesn't really go into effect right at the beginning, so I'm glad they have set up the the bricks of that Sam is actually not super smart. Uh, Also, uh, Mr. Shu taught Brittany the second half of the alphabet. She used to stop after M and M because, or after M and N, (laughs) because they were too similar. (laughs) Which, that, I like that. That's cute. It is cute. And then Will immediately says, now we're going to sing a song from Singing in the Rain, which is my favorite musical. Everyone shut up. We're doing fucking singing. We're going to sing the fucking rain. Fuck you. And they're like, yeah. And Tina's like, Mr. Shu, we don't get us wrong. We like you. It was just nice having a teacher that actually let us do fun things for once. And no, and Sam's like, when did this song come out? And he's like, oh, it's just a very good song. It's a classic. Like, when did it come out, William? It's like 1952. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. 
Anyways, Will is like, okay, I gotta get my kids to like me again. And so he wanders down the hall to history class, where conveniently, <laughs> Holly is t- subbing in for that one as well. Yeah. So she dresses Mary Todd Lincoln, and she's like, what up, I'm Mary Todd Lincoln. My husband was probably gay, and I had bipolar. Which means I would shoot cra- shout crazy things, like, that teapot spreading lies about me, and this can't be my baby because I don't love him. Everyone practice your bipolar rants. And I'm just sitting here going, stop. Stop. Yes. Stop. So... Trivia about this episode is that the act- It's bad. Well, yes. Um, but the actual fucking National Alliance on Mental Illness, aka NAMI, was so upset at this trivialization of uh, mental health issues and bipolar disorder and actually encouraged people to write in to Fox and Ryan Murphy to express their, their discontent. Good. Good. Dude, they keep doing that. It's, it's yes. 10 years old, but we should keep doing that. Yes. Ryan Murphy, make a character on Pose, turn to look at the camera, and say, I'm sorry I made a joke about bipolar disorder back in 2010 on Glee. Well, Pose is finished, so now it's gonna have to be, like, season three of The Politician. Make fucking Evan Peters or whoever say it on AHS. Uh, you know what? I feel like Ryan Murphy got a lot of those letters, like, this is a great inspiration, and then turned around and wrote American Horror Story Asylum. Which, I, to be fair, I haven't watched. Maybe it's super respectful, but it is Ryan Murphy, so... I am not putting money on it. Absolutely fucking not, man. Anyways. Anyway, he's like, Holly, hey, friend, I promise that I'm going to request you as a substitute for Glee Club the next time that I'm out sick. And hey, because I'm not hip with what the kids are into these days, can you help me find something to make singing in the rain palatable to the teens? I thought you'd never ask. And then Tom Holland walks out. <laughs> ah, God, I wish. No, we're because, we're like eight years too early for that. Yeah, the, the the musical number they do is Singing in the Rain and mash it up with Umbrella. And my no- my first note here is Tom Holland did it better. <laughs> oh, hey, I would argue this is pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's fine. It It's... The choreography is actually very similar to, I'm assuming, the music video for Umbrella, which then means that it's also similar to the mu- to the uh, choreography that Tom Holland did on Lip Sync Battle back in, like... Oh, no, it was 20... 2016, because it was for the first Spider-Man. Yeah. Also, yeah. they just did, like, a five-year anniversary interview with the choreographer for it. Oh, nice! But, yeah, it, it's... It, it's fine. It's maybe, like, a little bit discordant. There's not a lot of focus on the kids, mostly, like, Will and Holly singing. And also Artie. And also Artie. Yeah, I was I was ver- trying very hard to spot where Finn was in the background because, oh no, it's Cory dancing with a prop and in water. This could not have ended well. Yeah, because also, like, th- this whole scene is just pouring down buckets and buckets of water at the back of the stage. Yep. Fun trivia about this musical number in particular is that uh, during the filming, Kevin McHale got stuck in the wheelchair because, and I quote from, I think it was on the Glee wiki, uh, Leah Michelle and the others kept kicking water on him. Oh no. And cleaning up the water from this musical number took 727 people. Yeah, I can see it actually. Holy! Were they were they making people lie down to soak up the water with their clothes? Well, no, I just because they would have had to keep on doing takes if the choreography got messed up because the the choreography probably had him falling down a lot. Yeah, yeah. 
What do you think of this musical number, Tanner? I think it is actually my favorite of the show, of the episode. The other one, all the other musical numbers just kind of pass over me, like, in a haze. This one I actually enjoyed. Mm-hmm. That is how the end of the episode. And, I mean, hey, I, I, I literally just did my Gold Star song. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're going ahead to schedule. <laughs> um, okay, well, I do want to say, before we get into the rest of the um, awards, that... So, the episode ends with basically saying, Holly... Okay, what even does the episode say? It says that, like, between Holly and Will, the two of them can combine to make a competent teacher. And, like, the lesson is, maybe Will will take some of Holly's lessons to heart and listen to the kids. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... We'll have to look at evidence later to see if that works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like... Yeah, the... Gosh, I had a moral already in my head, and then I lost it. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm fine with the Tots moral. The Tots moral works... The teacher moral is like it it would have landed better if Holly Okay, so yeah, the, the argument is that Holly can't be a good teacher because she doesn't know how to properly reprimand her students, where it's like if you're teaching them to use their voice, you should also teach them when using their voice could cause unnecessary harm. I don't I don't know. See, I don't know what the episode's trying to say about it. It's trying to say that actually teacher teacher should be strict. Is that what the lesson is for that part? Yeah. I I don't know either because the 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 two conflicting like like you were talking about the two conflicting educational perspectives are both li- it is listen to the kids and encourage and enable the kids even when strictly speaking, they should probably be facing some consequences for some of their actions versus a very paternalistic view of teaching, which is, I know what is best for the kids, so they need to do what I say because I am an adult and I have an education degree, even if it fell off the back of a truck. I know what I wanted to say. So it would have made more sense because Holly's all about, oh, you gotta let your kids speak their voice. So it would have made mm-hmm. more sense if in the principal scene, in the principal's office scene where Sue is like talking about the damages to the lacar, yeah, that Holly would have said, well, why are you stubbing tater tots up Sue's car Mercedes? And Mercedes would explain and Holly would say, okay, Sue, your banning of the tots is the direct issue of this. And then she could trot out the facts about how obesity was a myth made up to sell diet plans. God. Which... Fuck that shit. I don't think... I don't know if Gwyneth Paltrow would have been able to sell that very well. Gwyneth Paltrow, founder of Goop. Ah! Fucker. But that would have been a better moral. And it still would have... It, it would have it would have had the same, like, moral of Kurt pointing out you're substituting tots for love. But, like, with, with mm-hmm. the added bonus of, hey, kids should be able to eat what they want and not be shamed for it. Yes. Well, anyone should be able to eat what they want and not be shamed for it. Absolutely. Not restrictive of age. Eat what you want as long as you are not making yourself ill by eating. Exactly. You, listen, you, you know what your body needs. You know when it mm-hmm. needs food, you know when it has too much food, and you know when it has had the wrong kind of food. Your body will also be able to tell you if you need to be doing more exercise or whatever. Like, you're, mm-hmm. if, if you need to lose weight, your body is going to let you know through various chemical signals and you're just going, oh yes. man. I need to lose weight, and this is a decision I've realized based on my own internal chemistry that I can feel myself when no one else can, as opposed to fucking celebrities. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Trust your body. It, it's it's uh-huh. body. It's, it, it is a very complex organism. It knows what it's about. Yes. No one is going to be able to tell you 
as as well as your body can what you need. Like, even medical professionals are not going to be able to tell you what is going on because you are the one who is, because it's your body and you know what's going on yeah. with it. If nobody got even me, I know my internal chemistry got me. <laughs> the more you know. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Tanner, I started, and you already said your gold star song. I did. <laughs> yes. And I think I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on it, just because it's it, it was it was the least, it at least reminded me of a better musical number, which is Tom Holland's performance on the lip sync battle. <laughs> it at least brought me some joy. So then uh, you get to say, uh, what's your gold star moment, Tanner? My gold star moment would be when Kurt opened his mouth and Little Pink first fell out. <laughs> I don't actually know what my gold star moment would be for this episode because it was just so... Actually, no, you know what I am going to give my gold star to? Glee Babies. Glee Club Babies! Because they were cute and they did a good job. Child actors are, you know, fucking children. And I'm very impressed with the work that they were able to do at the age of, like, four to six. <laughs> What's your worst, Tanner? Mm, my worst is Cameo. Yeah. I think I'm also going to give it to Cameo. Actually, no. I'm giving it to the... Hey, I'm bipolar! Whoopee! Look at me! How funny I am! That was also pretty bad. Yeah. So, hey, we're doing the thing where we once again split the vote in order to cover more ground on things that were terrible. Yay! Teamwork! Dream teamwork makes the dream work. It it does. I feel like I need to go donate to Nami after this episode. <laughs> Give your local bipolar friend twenty dollars. Exactly. We so don't I, have a guest I, to I, thank, so <laughs> we don't we don't have a guest to thank. So I forget what we do at the end of the episode. Uh, I have to say that it's the end of the episode first. Yes. Hey, it's the end of the episode. I like how we don't record this often enough to remember how we actually end it. We'll see. The thing is that both of us have podcasts outside of Loser Like Me. And also, we both only have one brain apiece. There's only so much that we can remember. Girls be podcasting. Hey, Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we're not there, let us know, and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. Next time... Bruno Mars. <laughs> Next time, time for one of our favorite ships on this godforsaken show to be canonized. As in, made, official, happy, happy canon. As in, sainted. <laughs> Papified. Yes, sa <laughs> Affirmed by the papacy. The, thir the third part of the trilogy. The young pope, the new pope, the glee pope. Oh god, no, don't speak that into the universe, Tanner. Our god is an awesome god. No, that actually, no, no, that's next season, right? Is, is it? I, I don't even know what song is Sam, that. S Samuel, or whatever his name is. Mr. I Love Jesus Boy. Oh, yes, Joe. Oh, Joe, sorry. Joe. Samuel's the actor. Ah, ah. <laughs> Wait, is that, what, is that song from Book of Mormon, or is it from something else? No, Our God is an Awesome God is just a Christian pop song. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pan over it to the cardboard. It might be on Glee, but I wouldn't know. Pan over to the cardboard cutout of Obi-Wan. <laughs> Jeez. 
anyways. We're a mess. We're a mess. We are a mess. Uh, it's on brand. It's Glee. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed, missed on Glee! Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff this show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me.